Well, hello, you beautiful couples out there. Welcome to the Marriage in Transition podcast. We are your hosts, Lynette and Sean Reed, where we're here talking about navigating through seasons of uncontrollable change. It really is an honor that you've decided to sit down with us and hear what we got to say. And listen, there are a couple of things that you can do to let us know. If you like what you hear, you can rate us. You could leave a a review or you can subscribe. And so we've got some really good things to talk about today. Sean, what are we talking about? Well, today we're going to talk about taking it off. Okay. Yeah. How to take it off. Oh, take it off. Take it take it it off for your spouse. This is is going to be good. (laughs) Um, Well, for some of y'all, you got really excited and other people were like, oh my. Well, (laughs) what we're talking about today is the fact that naked is not our normal unless we consciously make an effort to keep it that way. Okay. Um, And so we're going to deal with shame in a relationship. We're going to deal with how shame causes us to be afraid of, you know, bearing what's really going on in our hearts and minds and how to create like a marriage that can become shame resistant. Uh, So we're going to talk about how to take it off and get like we used to say in the hood where I grew up, we would say naked. So we're going to talk about how to take it out. Take it out. And get spiritually naked. (laughs) All right, so Lynette, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, <laughs> so let's, let's go. go. <laughs> okay, Sean, so you have recently, you've been on this journey mm-hmm. um, for quite a few years, but especially recently, um, you've just kind of hit a moment in your life where God has revealed some things and unveiled some things mm-hmm. in your past. And one of the areas that you're just really, right now, you're really passionate about is the topic of being vulnerable mm-hmm. and dealing with shame. Yeah. And so dive into that a little bit. Okay. So first off, um, hats off to Brene Brown uh, for any and every book that she's ever written on the, the topic of shame. And then it's, um, you know, vulnerability which is basically the antidote to to dealing with shame i will say that it's it's been a life-changing journey of inner healing for me and and processing shame and vulnerability the problem with shame is that it's very elusive um there's another book that i was reading and one of the authors one of the things that he said is that shame it doesn't want to be uh known it just wants to cause the most devastation within your life that it possibly can so it's a silent assassin Mm -hmm. and the 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 problem with um shame it's not that the opposite of it when i when when we say take it off it doesn't mean that you just you know vomit all your details to everyone at all times and and just become this rude kind of obnoxious blunt you know uh faucet of issues that's not what we're saying but it is getting to a point to where you at least could be comfortable in your own skin and I, and I think that within marriage, a lot of times, because your spouse knows your past uh, and, and you all share a history of um, making mistakes, going through seasons of life together where maybe a part of you, you know, you said some things that you wish you would have never said to them or you made a mistake and that mistake has followed you financially into yeah. the future or you two as a couple. You know, um, you've gone through some seasons in the past. And, you know, our book, Marriage and Transition, is all about dealing with navigating these uh, moments of crisis. And sometimes uh, 
you know, uh, under the pressure of the moment, something comes out of you that wasn't the best of you. And now your spouse may throw that back up in your face or they may not even be saying anything about it anymore. But in your mind, it's tainted. Yeah. yeah. You still feel guilty about what you did. And shame speaks like a megaphone into the mind and it hinders intimacy between a husband and a wife. Intimacy, of course, could be simply put into me see and and you need you need someone who knows you that that the real you. And and so at the end of the day, a husband and a wife, you have to risk the uncertainty of being rejected by your spouse or family members, you have to risk the uncertainty. That's what vulnerability is. Vulnerability ultimately is this is it's uncertainty that if I show you who I really am, yeah. you may not accept me for who I am or all the parts of me, the good, the bad and, and everything in between. So I think that uh, husbands and wives need to make a commitment to create a an atmosphere where you can be transparent, where you can be um you know, naked. Yeah. And and you got to learn to to take it off. Yeah. And it starts with really creating an atmosphere where um, it's safe for you to bear your heart. Um, we do what we call mediations here, and you can speak about what mediations are um, at XO. And it's one of the resources that we have to help couples. And one of the things that we will do is we're taking a couple through mediation. We'll have them hold a, a little stone heart and one of the spouses holds the heart while the other spouse is talking. Yeah. And what we're trying to get the, to, to resonate within their minds is that basically you hold the heart of your spouse in your hand. Yeah. And as they're sharing their thoughts, as they're sharing their perspective, as they're talking about um, what they're going through or how they think or feel, you have to be careful not to throw their heart down on the floor and crush it. Yeah, or even give judgment. I remember when you were, um, you wanted to share with me some of the things that you were dealing with. You know, one of the things that you asked before kind of sharing that was, I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to listen to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for those who don't know me, I'm a fixer by nature. Yeah. Restorative so, her, is, is one of her top strengths. Yeah. So if something's out of whack or something is in need, I am that person. I'm that go to person. So it was an adjustment for me mm -hmm. to be able to sit there and just take it in mm -hmm. and allow you get kind of like what you said, creating that atmosphere of no judgment. Um, you can share whatever's on your heart and mm -hmm. me being able to really listen and be there in the room with you. Yeah, that that was hard because I knew part of what and it, it, some of you guys out there, you'll you'll be able to relate to this. Maybe if you're listening uh, for me, it was hard to even identify my feelings, number one. Number two, to then even get to a place to where I could share what was on my mind, knowing that you didn't have bad intentions in wanting to restore. Mm -hmm. So I knew you like weren't my enemy, but I also knew that my biggest barrier was the, the vulnerability. It was risking exposure and saying what was really on my brain. So I needed every hindrance to that gone. <laughs> it, 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 it was like <laughs> it was like don't fix what I'm trying to release yeah. because if you do I'm gonna go back in the shell I'm gonna close and, the door yeah, yeah I'm like a, I'm like a I'm like the most elusive turtle in the world <laughs> and 
And if you ever want a guy to get out of his shell and to actually um, be, you know, because some guys are in tune. And I mean, they're just great with just sharing what's on their mind. Some guys may overshare. But then the large majority of the men that I've spoken to, this is one of the hardest things for them to do. And so a lot of women are like, yo, I want to know what's on his mind. Yeah. I want to know what's on his heart. And you ask him a question, he gives you one word answers or really yeah. short and sentences. Try to dig for more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I got to say, after I had that conversation with you, you did a great job of saying, listen, I'm not trying to, to fix it. I don't want to judge you. I'll just be a great place for you to, 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 to speak and release what's on your mind. And then you begin to ask clarifying questions mm -hmm. without those questions sounding condescending yeah. without those questions sounding like accusatory even. Um, and so I think that you did a great job with helping and it took, and I'm going to be honest with y'all. It took a lot for me to begin to practice taking it off mm -hmm. and getting to a point to where um, I could be honest. And I, I want to go to, you know, scripture and and take you back to the first human beings and what we find with adam and eve is they were in this place where they it was god's presence and then they had the presence of one another and it was in community that there was safety and i think that that's one of the most beautiful things that marriage can pro can provide when a husband and wife create the right type of garden you know what mm. i mean where god is present but god said to adam after he made him even though I'm present with you and I walk with you, it's still not good for you to be alone. Yeah. And, and so alone in that particular case, it must mean something other than just that you and God have a good relationship. That could be great. But now he's saying that in order for you to function according to design, that's what the word good means right there. It, mean, it is not tov in Hebrew. It's not good for man to be alone. In other words, Sean is not functioning according to design if he doesn't have healthy relationship with another human being. That's what that means. Yeah. So they were both naked. They had taken it all off and they knew no shame. The, the thing you have to think about is out of all of Genesis, you have this amazing picture of God creating the world and the universes and planets and stars. And then the next chapter you get the first marriage and the first family with God and man. And the way that Genesis 2 ends after the marriage of the century, you hear me? This is bigger than any other wedding that's ever happened in the history of mankind. And at the end of it, he chooses, the, the writer chooses to close out the marriage by saying that they were naked and mm. knew no shame. Mm. Could it be that they knew what was coming up in chapter 3? Right. That chapter three was where sin would enter in and a serpent would come in and 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 eventually they were going to be hiding and covering themselves with fig leaves and hiding from God. Yeah. Right. So there's a connection between chapter two of Genesis and chapter three of Genesis and marriage and family and humankind. The story of Adam and Eve is the story of us all that there should be. And in the best place for us to have is one where we can be transparent and honest and very vulnerable vulnerability. If you could just substitute that word for exposure, it should be oh, wow. um, exposure. You who you really are should be able to be exposed. There should be a spouse that can see your X-ray and not be just, you know, disgusted with who you are. Let me ask you, though, what and, and you know, we're, I'm letting Sean just kind of 
go for it because I mean, this is really the season of his life. How did you get to that point of recognizing your shame and then being willing to be vulnerable? Like I, 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 I preached, um, for 15 years and I took people through celebrate recovery. I took them, which is a great program. I took them through, um, inner healing, freedom foundations, all kinds of courses on freedom. Uh, one of my favorite books is extraordinary life, uh, a mindset free by pastor Jimmy Evans. Okay. So, I mean, there's so many different books that I had gone through where it was just like, all right, get healed, get healthy. And I was like, yes. And it all worked. Then there was this season where I think God literally put a lid on uh, the the next level of my freedom journey. And, and it was a lid on it that he was literally saying, nope, you can't graduate to the next level of freedom in your life until you're willing to open up about who you really are mm. and what really happened to you. And that's where I hit a ceiling and I and I couldn't figure it out initially because I was like, yo, I know how to do this freedom stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? I've been studying this. I know the Bible. I know Jesus and and I got a grip on it. I'm good. And God was like, nope, you're as sick as your secrets and you got a whole lot of secrets and you ain't telling nobody. And it was like I, I realized in that moment that there was things that I just didn't want to even tell you. There were things that I didn't want to tell my kids about my past and about my history and everything. And so, uh, again, you're going to be as sick as your secrets. And one of my favorite uh, quotes from uh, scripture is you can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. And so for me, there was this point of, all right, now that I realize, all right, the next level of my healing, the next level of our relationship, you know, transitioning forward. Yeah into this new season it's 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 all about exposure what god says is um it's not that it, it uh, uh going into the book of john i'm sorry guys it, it says that uh if if a person says that they belong to christ and they have no sin they, they deceive themselves in their lying and the point of that scripture i used to read that when i first came in the church and i thought that that meant like that that if i'm a believer I have to have no sin because I have to be perfect. I got to get everything right. And really what that scripture was saying is you can't be a believer in this life, in this world and not stumble at some point. You're going to you're going to fail. But the goal is then to confess that sin. Mm -hmm. You confess it to God and you need to confess it to others. The point is to bring it into the light and stop hiding. And, and if we're bringing this back to marriage, the challenge with that is I, I risk your opinion. I, I risk um, the backlash that comes out if I if I'm honest about what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling. And you guys have to create like a really safe environment where y'all can have a pillow talk, where y'all can have a, a, a day where you sit on the porch and you just talk about what's on your heart. Yeah. What's your struggle? What's your your good? What's your bad? And you have to risk being willing to make the time. You have to carve out the yeah. time to create, as you said earlier, a judgment free zone where you can have meaningful conversation and expose some of the areas of struggle and shame in your life. So what's the flip side of that? What is the flip side of not sharing or not exposing your past? to someone that you can trust what is what does shame do to a person it, basically it, if without exposure of your inner critic mm -hmm. without exposure of <laughs> of the critics that you wrestle with in your mind society social media 
your job, you're not good enough, you're not enough, you're not, that's what shame says. Ultimately, I'm not enough. Mm -hmm. um, if I say something to my spouse, my spouse will respond this way. And then, so basically we are not enough. That's what that's what shame becomes. So I'll just hold it in. And, and, and basically you're reinforcing yeah. the lie and you're giving it fuel to continue to keep you suppressed. Yeah. So you're a shell of yourself because you're you're never again risking exposure. So you're really putting a cap on your overall life. You're putting a cap on your life, your marriage, your parenting, your next level of promotion on a job, um your your purpose in life. If you think about it like this, Adam hid. That's what he did. He hid in several ways. The first hiding was when he was with Eve and Eve was talking to the serpent and the serpent was accusing God and accusing her of not being good enough. If you think about it, that's really what he said. He said, God just knows that Satan lying to Eve. What was the lie? God knows that the day you eat of this, you'll be just like him, hmm. knowing good and evil. So what was he really saying? That right now you're not enough. And, and, and so you're insufficient. So and that's that's the voice of shame. So from the very beginning of the Bible, it's telling us one of the greatest enemies of your marriage is the voice of the accuser that tells you you're not enough. You're not pretty enough. You ain't sexy enough. Y'all don't you know, y'all ain't romantic enough. You you don't make enough. And, and everything is about not having enough. So what do couples do when that voice of shame is directing their marriage? You'll spend beyond your means. Mm. Right. You'll 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 have friends that you really don't like just in the name of, you know, trying to fit in with a group of people that you think are enough. It'll it'll cause you to do and and spend and behave in ways that are not God centered. And the worst part about it is the whole conversation that uh, that the serpent had with Eve was all around the subject of God. It, it wasn't like. It was pitchfork and horns and the devil came, you know what I mean? And this big, elaborate, elusive, fear driven thing. The fear that he came with was of, of inadequacy. Yeah. It, it, and, and so we have to be very careful that we aren't um, living in the shadow of shame. And so what you find is then sin happens. Right. Yeah. And, and, and sin takes you where you, you know, further than you wanted to go and all that other stuff. And on the other side of sin, sin came now. God has to come and approach him and he asked him a question. He was like, where are you? Mm. You know, and what's interesting about the question when God first approaches him as he's coming through the cool of the garden, they hiding in the, in the bushes, you know, with their fig leaves is he doesn't come to them and say, what did you do? Yeah. He comes to talk to them about first and foremost where you are. Yeah. And, and it's interesting that God would approach where they were as opposed to what they had done. And and, and his question of location was about um really about exposing he was trying to expose and give them an opportunity to share it wasn't about god coming to stone him it wasn't about him trying to hurt his creation he, he god knew this day was coming and so for him his question was about location of your soul yeah. and, and and where are you like like what's what's happening with you yeah. and in their response God, that woman you gave me immediately, yeah. his shame caused him to shame her. Yeah. And then she began to speak out of her shame. And no one literally said, God, we really messed up. Yeah. 
there we had something that happened to us we we went somewhere did some things that we shouldn't have here's my vulnerable heart instead not only were they hiding their physical bodies and new shame but now they spoke out of their shame so you're really saying if you want a greater level of intimacy mm -hmm. nakedness naked nick take naked, it off naked 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 if you want a greater level <laughs> of intimacy. I'm just going to stick with intimacy because <laughs> I can't say the N-E-K-E-D. But you're saying that vulnerability is the is the way. Yeah. One of the ways. So I'll give you an example. So all of us, we, we know that we should live like Jesus. So Jesus, here he is before the foundations of the world. Christ died for the ungodly. So he had basically what that scripture is alluding to is the fact that Jesus knew that the father was going to at the appointed time asked him to go down and redeem mankind. Jesus made the decision. He made a choice. Listen, yes, I will risk exposure and vulnerability. I will go down and be willing to love them so much, even though I know that they're going to reject me. They're going to whip me. They're going to crucify me. They're going to strip me naked. I'm, I'm willing in Philippians 2. It tells us that he disrobed himself of his glory so that he can come down and reconcile mankind y'all if jesus can take it off <laughs> so can we think about it this he was he is the king of glory and the bible says that he took on the form of a servant yeah. and humbled himself by disrobing himself of yeah. his glory he literally came down not as this Perfect. King riding on yeah. a, you know, the stallion. Which who they were looking for. That's what they were looking for. They but, were looking for that standard. They were looking for that person yes. that gave that glory. Yeah, but yeah. instead, he came in a form of humility. And humility, the the this is where it's so cool. The word humility is uh is 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 the root of what Adam means in Hebrew. Yeah. So the word Adam in Hebrew for the general name for mankind is humus. Humus means to be of the earth. That's what the word humble means. It means to be mm. down to earth. Wow. So Jesus, in order to redeem us, came down to our level to risk being one with us and even being rejected and crucified by us. And yet he still chose that road. And when the enemy tried to put him in a predicament of pitting him against the father if you're really the son of god if you're really the son of god when he was on the cross naked you know all of our depictions of jesus have jesus with this little yeah. you know uh sash around his waist you know because i think something even within our hearts doesn't want to fully see and expose him down. god yeah. like that but yeah. the truth is when he was crucified on the cross he was naked mm -hmm. The amazing thing about him, they said, if you're really the son of God, even while he was on the cross, get yourself down from there. Mm -hmm. And Jesus was like, yo, I could call a legion of angels to come out and take y'all out right now. I'm up here because I'm risking exposure so that you won't have to live in your shame any longer. So what's amazing about that, what blows my mind is just as Adam and Eve, the first Adam was tempted in the garden with if you were good enough you would be like God, even though in all respects they were. And they had enough in the garden because they could eat from every tree except for the one. If the enemy can deceive you in paradise and get you to reach for more 
by getting you to believe, and that's the key, mm -hmm. that you are not enough, so much so that they forfeited everything mm -hmm. for the illusion of nothing. Th this is what they lost because they believed improperly. Jesus, he refused to come down. He refused to become a person who would hide himself in the garden. God, if there was another way, I know I risked this exposure so much so that he bled drops of blood and that's how it literally felt i'm not saying ex the extreme of he uh, you know hydrosis where i was sweating drops of blood but the vulnerability factor for me was so intense that i literally had to battle in my mind do i say it do i hold it in do i confess it will i talk about it what would she do well what would they think if people really knew and a lot of y'all are in that same cycle where you're battling and you're in your garden of gethsemane and and jesus was too and he felt what you felt and then he he came up with these powerful words that we know so well. Nevertheless, not my will, but father, in order for us to be one with mankind, we have to redeem them. How are we going to do it? We're going to take it off. We're going to risk exposure. I'll get naked. Yeah. I'll be vulnerable. Another thought I have on this because, <laughs> oh, my God, he dies. They bury him. He comes back out. And how do they know that it's the risen Messiah? Thomas said, I won't believe. I won't accept it. I got you. Until I see him, until I touch him, until I put my hands in the holes where he, where my where my savior was crucified. And Jesus steps into the room. Willingly. Willingly. And then does, does what? He he didn't stone Thomas, yeah. the skeptic, right? He said, stick your hand in there. Go ahead and feel where I took the nails for you. Yeah. I and the beautiful thing about our savior is he doesn't get rid of the scars. He kept them because he's saying, I'm in this with you. Yeah. I was wounded for your transgression, yeah. bruised for your iniquity, so that we will always have someone that we can turn our nakedness to and expose the, the humiliating parts of our lives, the embarrassing moments of our lives, the shameful thoughts of our lives, the guilt of our lives. You can take it all to Jesus. And when you do it, he won't turn you away. He won't stone you. And you see that over and over and over again in the life of Jesus. Woman caught in the act of adultery, woman at the well, blind Bartimaeus, you know, pick, take your pick. All of mankind, he exposed himself to so that none of us would have to run away from God because we think that he's trying to judge us, stone us, harm us. No, he's welcoming us in as his own. And we then have to, in turn, create that same type of atmosphere between husband and wife. And the church said, amen. Amen. <laughs> that was a lot. Yeah. But that was good. Thank you mm -hmm. for sharing um, all of that. That mm -hmm. was really good. Listen, if um, you heard this today and it resonated with you and you have a question or even a comment, I want you to do two things. I want you to leave a review, but then um, in our show notes, there um, is a link where you'll, you're able to ask some questions or give a little bit more feedback on this topic. Please do that. We would love, love to hear from you. But until next time, we'll see you later.